0: I'm here with one of my favorite people, Anushri Shah, the last name of you, um, and we are here to talk about the upcoming election, which is in like T-minus five days. Uh, it'll be four days by the time I put this up. I think I'm putting this up um, tomorrow just to give the people the reference. We are Texas residents. We are proud Texas residents, I would say, proud Austinites, and currently, I think... Texas early voting has hit a record high. Young people are driving record voting numbers in this state. So um, thumbs up to that. But how are you feeling about Texas going blue on election day? And do you think Biden should give this state the attention he's given other battleground states such as Florida and Pennsylvania? Or do you think he's given it the appropriate attention it needs?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think that like, this campaign for, for like all of like the kind of, I feel like criticism, like criticisms against Biden, I don't think you can deny that like the way that he runs his campaign is very smart. Like he he waited until he had amassed like a certain amount of money. And that's when he started looking into Texas because he had so much of like a surplus of money, right? So like when you compare like those numbers to Trump's numbers, you get why Trump is only like really campaigning in a few battleground states and why Biden is casting the net like so wide, like in Georgia, in Texas, and in states that we didn't think that Democrats had a chance in in 2020. But Mm -hmm. I feel like you can only do that when you have the money that he has.
0: Right, do you think the strategy of sending, for example, Obama to Pennsylvania, Florida, Pete Buttigieg in the Midwest, do you think that's a good strategy or is there more way to actually having the candidate be physically in those states?
1: Honestly, I think it depends on who you send out to like stump for you. With Mm -hmm. Obama, especially in Pennsylvania, when like we know that the state flipped in like part because of the Obama to Trump voter, his voice and like his voice seems to hold a lot of merit, as well as like the fact that, you know, his approval ratings are just skyrocket, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Because
1: every time Trump does something, every previous president sees like um, their approval ratings skyrocket. So I think like he is a very valuable messenger and Pete Buttigieg, I don't know about the Midwest, but like his stuff on Fox News is great. It's I'm surprised they're inviting him back. Like I love yeah. it. I love to see it.
0: The the way they roast, Pete, Pete mm-hmm. roasts the people. Um, so good. What do you think has been the difference in strategy then between Biden's campaign now and how the Democrats ran, maybe possibly Hillary's campaign or how Hillary ran that campaign in 2016?
1: I think there is like way less cockiness. Like I think with Hillary's campaign everybody was quick to believe the polls and people mm-hmm. did like her campaign was not really going into states like you know wisconsin and michigan and like these states um where they felt like it was just like a democratic stronghold so they didn't bother to go in but it he is running his campaign very cautiously like he's taking risks he's putting ads in texas he's putting ads in georgia but he's not taking anything for granted like He's not putting all of his eggs in the basket of Texas and forgetting about, you know, the importance of winning Pennsylvania, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, like, with Biden, he is casting his net wide, but he's making sure to not leave anything unchurned. Whereas I think with Hillary, she focused on the battleground states and maybe lost a couple of states that she should have easily gotten otherwise. And
0: that she may have taken for granted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then based on that how do you think Biden's ad team is doing in terms of outreach? I know we had briefly discussed it before.
1: Mhm. Oh, oh my gosh, they're they're kind of killing it. I saw this ad today where they're putting it on like um adult adult swim, I think. Really? Uh, Cartoon yeah,
0: network. What?
1: It's like it's like a little bubble, like a like a black circle, and it's just it's pretending to like be Trump's mouth. So it just keeps on talking, and as the ad goes on, they fill in the bubble, and then the bubble transforms into like a voting bubble, and it just says like bubble, and then Joseph Biden, and it's like I approve this message. Brilliant ad. Like they're they're so creative with this, and mm-hmm. i I'm, I'm genuinely enjoying watching them.
0: I think de- they definitely have some of the best ad campaigns I've seen in a while, possibly the best. I've never seen ad campaigns be, I guess, that smart and witty with uh, their, their approach. And I think mm-hmm. most of it, at least most of it, I'm, um, I'm appreciative of. But And
1: the tone. Like, the mm-hmm. tone is so—if you compare Trump's ads and the Republican ads— they're so strikingly different. Like, Biden is clearly running on a positive
0: message. But that's the thing. I think there are a lot of also pundits who are saying that, oh, well, Biden's just borrowing from Trump in terms of the quote unquote humor, because Trump always gets Mm -hmm. credit for being funny, I guess. Uh, Which, like, I don't think I think there's a difference there. People don't realize that with Trump, we're not really like laughing with him. We're laughing at him and the ridiculous crap that just comes out of his mouth. But do you think I guess it's fair? for them pundits to be rolling out. i'm like oh well biden's take borrowing from the trump campaign
1: mm, i yeah it's just if you even call like the trump campaign humor it's very different like strokes of humor the trump campaign is like you you laugh kind of like nervously because you're like mm-hmm. why are they saying that out loud like you know right. <laughs> why are they saying that out loud why mm-hmm. are they publicizing this and with the biden campaign you're like genuinely that's kind of funny like i I enjoy looking at it in this way. It's, I, it's just like um, speaking to two different parts of you. I think and that kind of yeah. goes back into the negative and positive messages. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Well, there have been, I think, negative ads from Biden, right? I think it's mm-hmm. just the way the Biden team is fr- framing it. With with the Trump team, it feels like this is Biden. This who he, this is who he is. This is the crap he's doing. With with Biden, it's just not just focused on Trump, but also where America as a whole can go. And I think that uh, that's really helpful, I think, getting their message across. But recently, we also had two presidential debates. The third one, or the second one, got canceled. So we had the first and mm-hmm. the third. Um, and then we also had those town halls. But I had done a podcast with Rohit on the first debate, which was an absolute mess. It was a debacle uh, from both sides, I think, but more so from Trump's side than Biden's. But based on those Debate performances. Do you think that's going to help in terms of swaying the vote in the undecideds?
1: I think the third debate probably did more to move the needle than the first debate did. I think the first debate, pretty much everybody, unless you're like a hardcore like Trumpet, you know, like <laughs> you did not. <laughs> that was not a fun debate for you to watch, especially with the with the key demographic that he's faltering on, right? Like he is severely faltering on suburban women. And I don't think that first debate was it did anything to kind of bring them into his corner, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then with the third debate, I think that it had maybe a little bit more weightage because you actually got to hear them speak for once. And like, what the thing that I enjoyed was that you got to see a Biden plan. I think yeah. Biden tr- Biden really tried to enumerate his plans in that debate, and I think that was like the stark difference because. While maybe he didn't always get like a kicker line or a soundbite or like a maybe like, you know, I think we could have thought of ways where he could have said something like Mm -hmm. to a rebuttal, right? He kind of misses it on the rebuttals a little bit, but he always lays out his plan in that second, in that third debate. But Trump kind of only goes for the rebuttal. And in his first answer, he's just not good at that part. He's not good at laying out what he wants. He's only good at responding, whereas Biden is good at laying it out maybe not as much as responding.
0: Yeah, I I do think in terms of. The debate tactic and maybe this was just something his team prepped him on in terms with Biden, at least, which was Trump is going to be spitting out bullshit, right? Don't address address that bullshit, address the people and just lay out your plan, which I think is a good tactic to a point in the end of the day. And I said this in the last podcast was if Trump says something ludicrous. um, People are going to take it as a fact unless you like like you and i know the facts on it but the people Mm -hmm. some people may not know it and if trump says it a sitting president who does in the end of the day can be still a credible source because he is the president you'd hope he's a credible source but like it's really not but people still see him that way if he says something people are going to take it as fact and i think biden still i mean there's really nothing he can do anymore at this point he's not debating him that's over but i think in terms of that he wasn't very good at i guess refuting some of the stuff that Trump was saying, um, with including the whole Ukraine thing. Um, yeah. But, yeah,
1: I also think though, I just don't know if there is a way to refute him. The thing with Trump is like, you do a you you refute him, mm-hmm. like you know, like we saw Hillary do in the 2016 debates, and he just doubles down. Like he doesn't care yeah. if you if you refute him and say like that's simply not true, right? And like right. Ben tried to do that a couple of times, but every time he'll just kind of get more insistent and be like, well, it is true, like Hunter Biden, like the laptop, like, mm-hmm. he'll just keep saying phrases that he knows are going to excite people. And so like, I don't think that you get, you just don't get any traction when you rebut him. I don't
0: and think. and that is true, I think. I think that is true to to an extent, because there were moments where Biden would say something, he would lay out his plan. And then Trump was like, this is all talk. He's a He's a crooked politician. You were in the Senate for so, so amount of years and you got nothing mm-hmm. done. And then yeah. Biden would then go on to state, well, during the Obama administration, we did make moves on this particular issue. And mm-hmm. without even taking it into consideration, Trump would go back to the same line. And I yeah. think what I disliked was whenever Biden was like, oh, well, we had a Republican Congress, that's why we couldn't get a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. True that to an extent. Democrats. Yeah. But that was mm-hmm. still a, you, you were giving exactly what Trump wanted. But mm-hmm. in the end of the day, it's like in the end of the day, the debate is over. It's done, um, and I think now it's coming down to these five, four to five days and seeing mm-hmm. what each campaign can do. But what do you think Trump's strategy will be less than a week left until Election Day? Because I know he's going to hunker down in whatever rhetoric he's pushing forward.
1: Mm-hmm. It seems like he's really kind of like hunkering down, or at least maybe not him as much, but his, 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 the people who are stumping for him on cable news and everything they are really like honing in on this hunter biden thing mm-hmm. and i don't think they realize that like the only people who care about like this like farce of a story which like we know it's a farce of a story like right. fox news refused to cover it for a few days because mm-hmm. they weren't even sure about the like uh, credibility of the reporting like we all know it's an idiotic article but like they keep bringing back this point but the only people who care about it are hardcore trump supporters and they're already going to vote for you like undecided voters don't care about hunter biden like they just genuinely don't
0: yeah i I think what's happening is trump is trying to go the hillary email route because Mm -hmm. i do believe a lot of the things that he made a a scandal uh in 2016 did negatively affect hillary clinton it wasn't the only thing but it was a contributor and i think he's trying to go the same tactic this time trying to paint biden as a crooked politician and Mm -hmm. I just don't think, based on the evidence we have right now, that people really care. Like, they, I don't think they care as much about this as they did in 2016 about Benghazi and the and the emails. But I think it's trying to paint Biden a certain way, and it's just not working, and they're trying the, their best to make him, again, a crooked politician who never gets anything done.
1: It's just harder because it's harder to like make the attacks land. Like you know Biden's personal story, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. like him losing his wife and his daughter in the car crash, um, like recovering from that. Like it's just not. It's harder to make that attack land it's easier to do it on somebody like hillary clinton who people were republicans were already upset with bill clinton and his affair um it's easy to blame his wife for that like on their side of it it's easy also to make um like kind of uh, overly ambitious overly cunning um uh attacks land on female candidates than it is male candidates yep. especially like with joe biden who's like looks like a grandpa like it's just harder to make that like a tax stand, you know like he just does not seem like somebody who is capable of that so it's right. just it's not hard it's not easy to make that work
0: mm-hmm. so you think part of it is the optics of the candidate
1: yeah for sure it's just like like people know who joe biden is at this point right like mm-hmm. what like lindsey graham once called him like a good of a man as god ever created right like there's a reason why like republican senators and congressmen are not coming out <laughs> and right. saying crap about Hunter Biden and saying like crap like this because like they know who Joe Biden is. It's just hard to make these attacks land.
0: Right, and I know again we were talking about Texas being a, a battleground state. What do you think Texas voters can do going forward to at least get to a point where there where I guess Texas could go blue?
1: If you haven't voted, vote. But if you've already voted and you want something to do, phone bank or tax bank. I'll probably mm-hmm. be phone banking this weekend. It's super easy. You just have to follow a script. And it's a good way to reach people who are possibly still undecided. But it's also important like, to not get cocky. If you haven't early voted and you're seeing like the trend, you're like, oh, turnout is great. Like, I don't need to early vote. You do, because Democrats early vote. Republicans vote on the day of. So mm-hmm. like, massive early voting um, turnout doesn't matter as much if Republicans meet that turnout on election day so you still have to vote like voting is just as important
0: now right and i think this has been a fight and this will continue to be a fight until election day and i think that fight has to come from the people has to come from the voters has to come from us Mm -hmm. and although things are looking positive right now we also have to be aware that there is a good chance a good chance that trump can still win this thing and i don't think that can just that should discourage us, but more so, more so, it should encourage us to keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. And I do think that this Biden-Harris ticket has an energy behind it um, that I haven't seen for a Democratic ticket in a while. I, I didn't see this energy with uh, Clinton and Cain in 2016. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, the key here is to keep that momentum going, make a plan, go vote, do what you can. Uh, But in terms of, I guess, the energy with this Biden-Harris ticket, I guess, what do you think it is? Is it it strictly that people are voting out of fear that we might get another four more years of Trump?
1: I think it's honestly, I think it's fear as mixed with um, kind of a a fresh new electorate, right? Like Mm -hmm. the electorate has drastically changed since 2016, we have more young voters than we ever than we ever did before registered to vote in part because of the March for Our Lives movement in 2018 that spurred on a lot of people to get involved in the midterms, right? right? And then after that, we've just had um, kind of this uh, demographic shift where Trump's kind of biggest voter collection comes from voters above the age of 18, but who don't have a college degree and that just that demographic has shrunk drastically mm-hmm. over the past four years. So those those are kind of undercurrents. I think people, yes, are motivated by fear. They're, they're motivated by anger at this current administration, right. fear over COVID, fear over like the economy, but they're also haven't, a lot of them haven't voted before. Mm-hmm. So mobilizing that set of voters is really important.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think in terms of also the the media, do you think they've, I mean, you'd hope, but do you think they've learned their lesson in terms of, like, sensationalizing things that doesn't, I guess, need much, uh, I guess, it doesn't, like, need to be addressed as much? Like, do you think they've learned their lesson in 2016, and they have a different approach this time around?
1: No honestly no like i really don't <laughs> like you know we we saw the the 60 minutes interview mm-hmm. and like um like chuck todd that i think yesterday or today like asked joe biden whether do you think you're taking covid too seriously like we have what like 200 um thousand people mm-hmm. dead from this virus and we are asking a presidential candidate whether he's taking this like too seriously right that's just a ploy for ratings like that's just a ploy to get that soundbite
0: circulating right. on twitter what did you think but, of the 60 yeah. Minutes interview? Because I know you and I, again, oh briefly talked about that a couple of days that ago. That was
1: so dumb. Like, if we're really going to give um, give rise to, like, these ridiculous theories about, mm-hmm. about Biden and Harris, like, it was just ridiculous. Like, at one point, um, the interviewer was like, so are you bringing a socialist perspective That was ridiculous. To Joe Biden? That was ridiculous. I was like, I don't think, like, do you understand that two people will come together to form a ticket to unify the party and not mm-hmm. necessarily to just like um, sit there and convince the main party um, or the main candidate to like completely change their opinion?
0: Yeah. I, was, I, it's
1: just ridiculous.
0: I hope they don't think that objective journalism is using these ridiculous talking points from the far right and what Fox News Mm -hmm. is pushing as an agenda and thinking that's what objective journalism we have to ask questions from both sides and by doing that you're asking questions like are you about to socialize this country socialize Joe Biden um one question was like geared towards Biden basically saying that you're an old man if you if you pass what like, like what confidence do you have in Kamala Harris? It's it's ridiculous. And these are all right wing talking points that yeah. Nora O'Donnell, the interviewer, was pushing forward. And I just thought it was it was ridiculous. And they thought, yeah. Oh, she did a good job. She 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 didn't. She was asking she ridiculous questions.
1: Yeah, it's like this kind of notion of like to give a fair interview, you have to you have to circulate some of these like absurd, baseless rumors on like the far right side um and that's how you give a fair interview like no it's not you're always gonna leave them unhappy like far-right people are gonna be upset that you didn't like give tell them like oh is joe biden really like a pizza gate pedophile like that's what they're gonna be upset about because you're never gonna be right enough for them so Mm -hmm. just stop trying like ask them proper questions about their policy because that's what american voters care about
0: and did you did you watch the the trump 60 minutes interview Leslie, leslie stahl
1: I saw clip, uh, like clips of it, but I think I've like just decided that more than a clip of Trump is just like too much for me. I just can't watch that much <laughs> nonsense. And, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I know, right. I know what he's done policy-wise. I don't need to hear him talk about it.
0: Right. I I couldn't get through it. I, I started it and I, I just watched the part where you walked out and said he was at, he was being asked uh, oh, yeah. unfair questions and Mike Pence rolled in and then it uh trump's press secretary i believe just dropped like this big ass um health care plan (laughs) that that just had like executive orders in it It
1: (sighs) the thing that killed me is like i don't get what like republican strategists thought of this like idea because the reason why so many like republican seats flipped in 2018 in the house was because republicans like representatives were held um to the fire on their positions on Obamacare, right like mm-hmm. that whole movement John John McCain like voting down on it Yeah, that was a that was a massive point in his presidency so to get back those voters he needed to have a good healthcare plan mm-hmm. and like You can't just sit here and say that you repealed parts of it and say that that's a plan because it's not
0: right and I do believe that the trump we had in 2016 um I don't want to say he was a different person, but his approach was a little bit different. I think his campaign's approach is a little bit different because I do believe, again, a component of them winning was the fact that they talked about jobs and manufacturing job losses, even though they've they've made it a lot worse than it was four years ago. Um, I think that's partly in why he he won because in the end of the day, something President Obama said, twenty sixteen, was that the same people who voted for me, Obama, are the same people who voted for for Trump. Um, But this time, it just feels like Trump's hunkering down on his message of just almost hate. Uh, Do you think that that, I guess, hit that tactic is going to work out for him? Or do you believe people are seeing right through it this time?
1: Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting about it is honestly, there are weirdly a lot of parallels between Obama's original campaign and trump's 2016 Mm -hmm. campaign in that both of them marketed themselves as outsiders and if you look at like trump in 2016 we put a lot of media coverage on like the sound bites of what he was talking about but when he went to like these areas he was speaking to voters as to like what concerned them right like when he went to these mining towns he was talking about bringing mining jobs back and even though we know like that's just not feasible given the way that the world is now Mm -hmm. like he was still meeting voters where they are and his message was being tailored to the specific section of america that he was talking to right Right. but now he's not an outsider anymore Mm -hmm. he's running on the exact same rhetoric he's saying like you know joe biden's an insider i've been like he's been doing it for this long he hasn't gotten anything done but like you've been there in four years and you haven't gotten anything done either right Mm -hmm. so how are you that much different so now I don't think he realizes that he is a politician like he's not an outsider so right. he has to run this differently
0: and I think part of the issue was that because he was yeah part because he was an outsider that was also a contributing factor but at the same time this is someone I, I never understood when Trump became the man for the working-class I, I never I never understood that because this is someone who has lived at the top for his entire life and yeah. he has just consistently ripped off working-class people and I don't, uh, his, his messaging worked around 2016, but I do think people are seeing through it and I do think people are disappointed in the last four years. But do you think that there is that energy also, that people are seeing right through him? Because at the end of the day, like he has an immovable base, but at the same time, do you think the undecideds are like, you know what, Trump isn't it, I'm going to go vote for, I guess, Biden. Do you think there's that energy also?
1: yeah i think one big thing that he's not factoring in in terms of like his base and an undecided is it's a ridiculously bad idea to not curtail a disease that predominantly affects people who are older when older people make up like a big portion of your base like statistically (laughs) that is a dumb idea right yeah because Either they are going to get like get sick and pass away from this disease, or they are more likely to know somebody who has, right? So there is there is definitely a section of his base that has become disenfranchised with his with him due to his treatment of COVID. And I think that was like a really good attack that maybe was a little understated when Biden was saying it. But when he was talking about like the missing, the missing person in like the chair at your dining table, that was a really good. Mm-hmm. um line kind of tailored at those people who have lost a person to COVID, and who are now realizing that like it's maybe more important to vote for experience and for leadership than it is to vote right. for somebody who, who says he's going to shake things up but actually never does right
0: but hasn't really yeah mm-hmm. i know that whenever biden won the um, or he was looking like he was gonna run around win around march uh, mm-hmm. there were a lot of progressives who weren't too happy about it how do you think he has done In terms of adopting the progressive vote
1: honestly i think a lot of his work was done for him because covid i think drastically impacted progressives progressives that i know are like you know i don't like the man but i can choose i my choice is between a candidate who doesn't believe in wearing a mask and a candidate who does and like at the end Mm. of the day that is a big Difference, right? Right. And then also, now that he's not being like, I don't think Biden does well in a field of 16. I think he does better when you get to see him one on one. You get to see his interactions with people. You get to learn more about him. Mm-hmm. And I think now that people are learning more about him, they are kind of impressed. Like things that never got traction, like he introduced the first bill on global warming, right? But we don't give that the same yeah. amount of weight as we do. Oh, you know, Bernie Sanders, like, fought with um, civil rights activists in the 60s, right? That's important, but it's equally important um, in terms of, like, your record that Biden introduced the first bill talking about global warming, right? So, like, I think people were highlighting some parts about um, Bernie's record and saying, like, this is a testament to the fact that he's always been this way. And then never highlighting important parts of Joe Biden's record that are, like, great Points in his record, right? Like there yeah. are also bad points in mm-hmm. Sanders' records that never got traction. People were never talking about the fact that he's not great on gun control, right? He's he's historically yeah. not great on it, right? But mm-hmm. that was not something that ever got traction because people were so um, kind of taken with the idea of this guy who had been in the Senate and always fought for the for the little guy, and that was the idea that picked up speed.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you have to say, I guess, about now the? Rhetoric that the Trump campaign is pushing that Kamala Harris is the most socialist progressive (laughs) person that you'll ever meet in the Senate
1: I honestly it was so funny to like on the first debate when Biden was like um, Like (laughs) I beat the other candidates and then (laughs) Trump was like, well, you just lost the far left and Biden was like Like, (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like, Wait a (laughs) second, that's not right (laughs) But like I think I don't think that they realize that for for most people, she's not like that, like that progressive. Right. She has Mm -hmm. a great progressive voting record. Right. But Mm -hmm. on the progressive side, people are upset about her legacy as an attorney general. Right. Right. They don't understand um, parts of it. And yeah, like there are definitely um, parts of her record that don't fully line up with how she voted as a senator. And a Mm -hmm. part of that always, you know, you can chalk up to times have changed, things things have changed, people are allowed to change, right? Um, But then on the other side of it, it's really interesting that people are trying to cast her, like, on the Republican side as, like, this hardcore progressive when, like, for better or worse, she was a cop for most of her career, right? Like, she is, like, kind of the head of law enforcement on that side of things. So I just think that their line doesn't really stick because, like, on one hand they're like progressives why are you voting for her she's a cop she's a big cop and then they're like she's the most progressive she's a radical socialist like this line mm-hmm. of thinking is not it's not Their logical. message their
0: message isn't working out and i think they yeah. know that and i think what happened was that first i do believe that trump was expecting biden to win from the very beginning because trump was on his ass from like the very beginning whenever biden decided to run um mm-hmm. and i think maybe because either he thought he was going to win or he saw biden as a serious threat uh, mm-hmm. and i think maybe it's a little bit of both but it's like trump didn't get the candidate he wanted and now he's just trying to label them as a as a socialist as a pro- as a progressive and saying like oh well aoc you, you believe the radical left and all that stuff yeah and it's like he didn't get what he wanted and now he's just trying to paint biden a certain way even though like he doesn't fit that picture
1: and you're seeing this a lot in down ballot races as well like there are many candidates who are like my opponent talk about me like don't talk about aoc stop talking about the squad talk about the fact that you're running against me like republican candidates down ballot are pretending like they're running against aoc her name is in all of these ads like they're like we're gonna go into washington and we're gonna hold aoc accountable she's one representative like yeah. focus on running against your opponent they are just not running against someone. They're running against like this idea of radical socialism, which I, I don't think holds as much weight. I think it fear mongers enough people in like the boomers kind of era of things. But mm-hmm. I don't think that like college educated people or um, like you know young voters are super afraid of the idea of radical socialism. This is not to say that they're all socialists. I think they're just like socialism is an idea it is maybe not the idea for us, but it is an idea. Like, I don't think they, they automatically associate it with communism.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I do believe, like, they, they know it's a scare tactic. And I think it's a scare tactic that isn't really working. It might be working for some people. And I do believe that, I think, Shri Preston Kulkarni, who's running in um, 22nd, Rohit got something in his mail a couple months back and it was Mm -hmm. the person running against Shri preston kulkarni and they're like oh kulkarni is evil and he he lines himself up with communist china uh it's just a ridiculous scare tactic that i think they know isn't working anymore it's not working it may have worked a little bit in 2016 but it's because i guarantee you if the whole email scandal didn't Hold ground in 2016 then they would have tried to also socialize hillary clinton saying like oh well she's she's socialist; she, she lines up with the radical left um but it's just it's getting a little ridiculous and they think i think they know it's not working and i think they also know there's a good chance this time around they're really hopefully losing this thing you you never and know
1: there are really good candidates like yeah. um i believe it's oh man let me look it up let me look it up i just i want to make sure i don't i don't mess up her name but the person running on the Democratic side in Iowa is amazing. There was um, Theresa Greenfield, that's who it is. Teresa Greenfield is running against um, Joni Ernst, right? And they had a section in the debate where like the mo- the moderator asked um, Greenfield, like what is the price of corn, like um, the break-even price of corn per per barrel, right? Mm-hmm. Or bushel, one of them. I, didn't, I don't know. Coleman Harris is gonna like yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> Like one of those things. Um, And um, like she answered and it was correct. And then uh, he asked um, Ernst and Ernst like said it was $10. It was for soybeans for Ernst. And Ernst Mm -hmm. said it was like $10. And then the moderator was like, no, it's five. And then she was like, well, I think actually you asked me about corn. And he was like, no, I asked Greenfield about corn. I asked you about soybeans. And then he asked her if she wanted to try again. And she was like, no i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) but like in a race like in iowa where the major thing the major product there is agriculture how do you not know that answer right like i think Mm -hmm. this year is revealing a lot of important cracks in the republican crop of candidates where it's like they're just not putting up good people who know like they're safe like you if you don't know if you don't know the prices and you're running in a state that depends on agriculture why are you running like you Mm -hmm. don't seem to know what you're doing like you saw in like arizona in the debate between McSally and um captain kelly right Mm um they kept asking her him or her yeah they asked they kept asking her to be like do you stand with trump like do you stand with trump do you approve of everything trump has done and she she kept on dodging she would not yeah she would not align herself with trump and like in some in some areas like obviously in like parts of alabama and things you're going to get a lot by completely aligning yourself with Trump, right? Mm-hmm. But in some of these like more battleground states, like in Arizona, in North Carolina with uh, Cal Cunningham, you're not going to get a lot of traction if people are upset with Trump by presenting yourself as the complete like Trumpian candidate, right?
0: So the Supreme Court is allowing the states of Pennsylvania and North Carolina to accept mail-in ballots past elections Election Day, but not Wisconsin because, as stated by Chief Justice Roberts, different bodies of law and different presidents govern these two situations uh what do you think the voter strategy should be then for this final week
1: drop your ballots off at the at the polling place i think Mm -hmm. you can bring them directly to your county um to your county registrar and that is a much better way of doing it than dropping them off in the ballot box don't bother with the ballot box (laughs) take them straight to the place where they're going to be counted and like this is just setting us up for a very confusing week like (laughs) It's not gonna be like it was in 2016 where we know by midnight and it's like either great or bad and that's it, right? Like we're gonna know the scariest thing is that more Democrats rely on mail-in ballots, right? So we're gonna Mm -hmm. have this kind of, we could have this thing where it's skewing red to the point where, you know, it doesn't have to be skewing red by a lot for Trump being who he is to declare a victory, right? Mm -hmm. And then as mail-in ballots come in, We're going to see a different kind of set of things, and that's going to present a very interesting dilemma for the Supreme Court because, like, that's going to probably end up at their at their desk, right? So that's when you're kind of going to see like these justices kind of come into themselves because I don't I don't necessarily people are kind of writing it off as like, oh, well, if it gets to that point, like we're screwed, right? And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't think people expected the Pennsylvania ruling um i think that was definitely like, people are like that's a blow to republicans i don't think people were expecting that ruling especially mm-hmm. from alito and from roberts right?
0: roberts right um, yeah. like
1: leaving leaving the wisconsin decision aside so i don't think you can say that like when it gets to the Supreme court they're going to it's going to be clearly across party lines right i think you'll probably see kavanaugh and maybe amy coney barrett who we know nothing about because she refused to answer any questions mm-hmm. in her confirmation hearing um like and probably thomas go with like the republican side but I think there are more moderate votes than we expect on the mm-hmm. supreme court especially now like i think i think roberts is a big one and gorsuch is someone who i've been like very impressed by with his rulings this year he has shown like a lot of um uh kind of uh introspection into these rulings more so than i think i expected from like the first judge that
0: trump nominated, trump appointed right, right. And yeah. what do you think the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett means for progressivism going forward?
1: So I think this might be a little controversial, but I'm not in favor of packing the court. So I just don't think that that is something that you should do just because it's it's the same thing as the Harry Reid um, invoking the nuclear option It's going to bite us in the butt in like mm-hmm. four years. It's it's going to set a very dangerous precedent that we will have a hard time correcting unless you abolish the Electoral College. And I don't think you have an, that idea has enough traction to make it actually happen. I think if you want to pack the court, you need to abolish the Electoral College. And I don't think you're going to be able to do this, do that. So I don't right. think you should pack the
0: court. So do you then trust the system enough for certain things not to be overturned?
1: I don't know if I do. Like I have I have some faith in um Roberts because he has said, you know, um I think he has said that Roe Roe v. Wade is like the law of the land, right? It is a settled law of the land. So I think that there are a couple of people who probably voted against it or would have a couple years ago and now as times have progressed are voting for it. Right. Mm-hmm. But also you know, we had like that case a couple a couple of um, months ago where they could have overturned it. There was a conservative majority, but they returned it to the lower courts. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know if I actually think that they're going to overturn it. I think it's going to come in smaller decisions like allowing, you know, things like in Texas, making abortions have to happen in a hospital and not a clinic, you know, with Hallway regulations where like the hallway has to be X number of like feet wide. Otherwise, you can't put it in there, right? Um, so I think it's going to come in smaller regulations. They'll try to dismantle it bit by bit. I don't think they're going to fully overturn it. But like if you if you pack it. I you're just you don't know what's going to happen, right? If you pack mm-hmm. the court. What what just, harm it do just you see such a dangerous precedent?
0: Right. And what is that dangerous precedent?
1: That I don't, we are not going to, so Biden is going to be a one-term president, right? It is. That means.
0: Are you, are you confident with that?
1: I mean, he said so, right? Like he said. I mean, he he then he backpedaled.
0: He 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 did, he did say he didn't mean that statement.
1: Yeah, but I think like, you know, logistically, how old would he be at that point, right? Like, I just don't think that Mm -hmm. that would be right. Like, even if he did run, I don't know, that part of it's still murky, right? So like, worst comes to worst, he's a one-term president, Right. Um, And in 2024, if, you know, if Republican candidates do a good job at being like the person I was under the Trump administration was a complete lie. I hated Trump all along and find a good way to distance themselves and then take back the presidency in 2024. They'll pack the court right back. Right. And Mm -hmm. they could pack it more like they could add more justices. Mm. So I just think that that is very, very dangerous because we in the in the past historically like especially with mitch mcconnell we've proven that democrats will go for the button first but we are not politically strong enough to keep doing it whereas mitch mcconnell is ruthless politically he will play the long game he Mm -hmm. always has right um and he ends up with wins they are when it comes down to it they are just more cutthroat than the democratic party is yeah so giving them an option that they can use against us is just not a good idea
0: Right. We shall see, though. We have, again, a couple more days left. Do you think the election will be over on Election Day?
1: No, I don't. I really don't. but Texas will be. though. Texas will be. You decided. think so? Because we have, like, I think, like 11 days. Yeah. Mail-in ballots have to be returned, I think, 11 days or something. It's, it's like a big gap before okay. Election Day. So it's like I, I have a feeling it will be counted and we'll know Texas so texas is like i mean what beta is saying about like this could literally be over election night is very true because texas is one that we will know that has been decided yeah i don't know i'm very reluctant to like say that texas is gonna turn blue because i just we have so much voter suppression in this in this state it's insane it's
0: insane but yeah staying cautiously optimistic that's that's what matters and i think the whole idea of like winning big like that's been the Biden tactic from the beginning of this we can't just win we have to win big we have to make it obvious yeah. that we won this election because Trump mm-hmm. he, he has a few more tricks up his sleeve and he might just throw them at you and then you'd be like oh no no four more years of Trump and then it's over <laughs> uh but yeah. hopefully it doesn't get to that point and if it does if we have four more years of Trump then we just got to keep on going we got to keep on fighting um but yeah oop. Yeah, you don't sound too, Absolutely. too happy about it. You know, I don't think any of the, us will be happy. The fight
1: is tiring. It the is. is. It tiring. is. It is.
0: I agree. I agree. It is tiring. But I just a...
1: want it to be like I can wake up every day and not have a new fire. Like you can, you can be totally in favor of the Trump presidency, but his day-to-day scandals would have been talked about under Obama for like months.
0: months. Just for months.
1: Fox News once. Yeah once gave him like um they once gave him like heat for wearing a tan suit suit, for a day right like (laughs) or when 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 they were like he got um what was it that he got on his like burger and they were like wow that's elitist (laughs) like he got there was like the time that he took like um michelle out on like a date everybody was like how dare you don't you have work to do
0: (laughs) they got no they got angry with him whenever he would have dinner with his family like don't like like you need to like be in the oval office consistently i think the issue is that trump has done so many ridiculous things that sadly we've just gotten numb to Mm -hmm. it sadly like they're they're actually like ridiculous partly illegal things that he's done and you are just like oh no well it's just another day in the in the democracy of the u.s and uh yeah then you just got people like the tuck and sean hannity saying well it's okay because democrats do this uh but Mm -hmm. we shall see we shall see like
1: that's yeah Uh, yeah this is definitely like if there's anything that i will be grateful for for like the trump kind of era of politics it's like i think it got a lot of people plugged in to like issues that were happening on both sides like i don't Mm -hmm. think an aoc like upsetting joe crowley would have been possible without people being plugged into like hey, maybe establishment Dems are bad too. Like maybe maybe we should talk about that. Maybe we should talk about like people just overly funding their campaigns and them never being held accountable for it, right?
0: Like, yeah. or
1: like Bernie, right? I'm not a, I was not like a, a massive fan of like Sanders, but the greatest thing he did for American politics was move towards grassroots donations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like
1: that's amazing.
0: And I do believe that Trump was not wrong about DC being a swamp, like figuratively and of course literally, but I, I don't think he was wrong about that. It's just that little mm-hmm. did he know that he would quickly become a massive contributor to that swamp. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think when he ran on twenty sixteen, he was wrong about that. He was actually a hundred percent correct that there are yeah people on both side of this who are just not there to serve people, um, mm-hmm. and in the end of the day, like we're so quick to turn like a lot of our elected officials into not like anything, but people. And like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when that happens, then you get, I mean, you get what you get. Right. And I think that's, that's just, man, I think this was also, this was also stated in the recent documentary with Pete Souza. good documentary, by the way. Have you seen it yet?
1: I saw, I saw a bit of it. It was great. Yeah. It was just so much like when you know that he was also in the Reagan administration, you're just like, wow. I miss this like I miss I
0: miss decency <laughs> decency right so yeah I mean that was also stated in in the in that um, documentary is that a lot of the times we tend to turn the, our elected officials into anything but people and we do that you get you know we get what we deserve and I think we have to be also be very careful to do something like that um, and I think we our expectations now for people occupying specific seats in DC they, they need to be there to genuinely represent people and their interests um, and hopefully we'll get that in the foreseeable future. Or, or... I'm going to
1: fact check myself. I was not saying that the Reagan administration was decency. I just want to make that clear. I was saying that Pete Souza. <laughs> okay.
0: Is <a> <laughs> yeah, apparently P- Pete <laughs> Souza also didn't um, agree with a lot of the Reagan policies. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think yeah. what they were trying to show that in the end of the day, it's also about the the way... The president carries themselves and, and yeah and, and that matters and I, 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 I agree 100% agree with that
1: I think people are a little too quick to be like the character of the president matters because I think we've had presidents who have had like terrible characters you know mm-hmm. but I think the greatest difference the greatest point of difference is whether it was for political reasons or for genuine love of country I think pretty much every president except for Nixon and like trump would have taken like a bullet for the country right and just trump wouldn't like trump would just not like that is just not in his body george w bush did a lot of terrible things he would have taken a bullet for the country right and yeah. maybe that was patriotism and maybe it was like to protect his own like political like behind for his family but like he would have done it trump does not care either for his family or for america like he just doesn't mm
0: well again that's again you get what you get and now we just gotta make sure again we keep that momentum going um mm-hmm. any that, part uh,
1: joe mentum
0: joe when did you learn that one
1: wasn't that like his thing Was is his that thing? a thing
0: because i know it's jo- mm-hmm. i know there's like cup of joe like america needs a cup of joe and i'm like oh that's smart. i wanted
1: to get that from his like store so badly mm-hmm. But now I'm worried. I don't want to do anything to. I like. I have like paranoia about jinxing anything, and I feel like if right. I buy that mug, and it sits in my cupboard, I'm just gonna stare at it for like the week after and just be like, well, that was money Well, <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm just worried right. about jinxing anything.
0: I mean, then the end it goes to his campaign, um, and that's another ridiculous thing. Like the amount of money these campaigns yeah. are pulling in like th- mm-hmm. this is partly a fight of getting the message across and also partly a fight of seeing who can get the most money and that's just freaking insane uh and there was
1: like, like uh oh sorry continue
0: no i'm just saying that like when, when that happens and i think you had stated this also is whenever you mm-hmm. have so much money being poured into this camp these campaigns then sometimes you're not going to get regular people to represent your values and what you care about
1: and like the reason that you are not seeing as many people who are normal like why it's so much of a shock that like aoc was a bartender before she ran right because it takes so much money to Mm -hmm. win a race a ridiculous amount of money and we're just not going to get people who accurately represent like americans everyday americans if we have this much money being Mm -hmm. poured into these races i'm looking at it so in california it takes about twenty, about thirty million dollars to win a sentence in California.
0: That's a lot. Yeah, it's, like I that's mean, a crazy
1: amount of money. Cr- and I that's mean, not what the founders intended when they said like free speech, right? They didn't say free speech and whoever has the most money gets to speak the freest. Like, but people are forgetting this. Like,
0: do you do you have any parting words for the people before we we log okay, out? I
1: have parting vo- words. Vote don't get complacent
0: that's 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 (laughs) did you did you vote a new screen
1: i voted did i vote i voted on tuesday
0: okay yeah i I voted on friday it was fun What, what about the process made it fun
1: it was like okay first of all the person who was working my poll had to be around 70 years old and like when i walked in and i saw that man i was just like you are like you are America like really you are though like you're here doing your more than your civic duty for like I'm gonna get like I'm gonna like cry thinking about it, but literally mm-hmm. I looked at this man and I was like, You're 70, you're putting yourself at risk every day to just do something for our country and you're never gonna get recognized for it. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna get like a tear tape parade and all of the other stuff that we do, but you're so brave, like you're so courageous, and we need to be talking more about people like you. Like literally I saw him and I was like, Wow, day has been made. This is incredible. We need more people like that, you know? Like yeah, for sure. Amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, Adrid and I went at 6.30 in the morning. Yeah, we just hopped down. and we're like, democracy, and then we went to the polls. <laughs> and then we, we put in our ballots. Everybody was so hyped, too. It was like 6.30 in the morning. And I think one person was voting for the first time. They're like, we have a first-time voter. And then everybody started, like, clapping and stuff. Cute. Yeah. Cute. And it was also very satisfying, just, you know, clicking buttons and printing out ballots and then putting it back yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, making sure it's you're so not warm. just clicking buttons, you know, for the right people, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah yeah there was no line so and then they're like thank um, you for uh think participating in our democracy and I'm like you're you're welcome Jill I think her name was Jill I might be wrong mm-hmm. yeah
1: mm-hmm. but shout out to Jill.
0: shout out to Jill. both,
1: both J- Jill the poll worker and, and Jill the Biden we love Joe and Jill
0: the Biden and 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 the 70 year old poll worker too shout out to that guy too you shout are to a him. hero shout out to everybody who's 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 a poll worker um yeah. and risking themselves for 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 America, anyways, well, thank you for joining me, Anushri. It was a time, and I hope you can come back on in the foreseeable future. uh, uh
1: Is there gonna be a? I hope there's a happy pod that I can come back on in like a week.
0: We can we can, <laughs> we can yeah we can just <laughs> celebrate. It's
1: gonna be a sad pod.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm 21 now, so I can just like pop open a bottle of champagne and drink it. On this podcast, wow. yeah,
1: I'm not. So, oh, yeah, I'll you're just not be Sad into coffee or something.
0: Yeah, you'll be just you'll just be <laughs> sipping on coffee. Well, all right. Well, thank you, thank you for for joining me.